It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. New York uh, gubernatorial primary coming up in June. The June 8th is the primary there. Uh, we had Lee Zeldin and Rob Astorino. So the trifecta of the top three now includes my next guest, Andrew Giuliani, son of former New York mayor, Rudy Giuliani. And the beginning point for this today, Andrew, is the petition process, which is now closed in New York. And that process will be uh, it's an important part of being on the primary. Elise Zeldin chosen by the New York GOP. Therefore, both you and Rob Astorino, I would call us the top contenders in this, needed to meet the petitioning requirements. Did you, and where are we in the process now? Well, David, great to be back on with you. You know, I have to tell you, I'm very, very proud, and I'm humbled to say that 25,000 New Yorkers signed in order to get me on the ballot to make sure that the 2.9 million registered Republicans, uh, not just the party boss, gets the opportunity to say who the nominee is. Uh, What's more is we needed to make sure that 13 of the 26 congressional districts were covered with over 100 signatures. We submitted in 19 of the 26 congressional districts. Uh, The uh, Congressman Zeldin, along with the party, has decided to issue a challenge We have beat that challenge back in about 90 seconds. They allege that somebody is not a registered Republican who who was a witness for us. Uh, You can look it up uh, in 90 seconds and went to the Board of Elections and got their hard card along with the walking book that shows that they are. So I'm glad to say that the 2.9 million registered Republicans in New York State will have a choice over this process come June 28th. You know, in New York, uh, as you mentioned, there are the registered Republicans, and then there's a mixture. Uh, there are Democrats, uh, as far as registered official parties of the state. Uh, you've got the conservative party, more formally aligned Republicans, Democrat, and the working families party. Uh, so when you look at the field of voters in New York, uh, next steps after the petitioning process, it's now official. You're in the primary, having defeated the challenges, as you just stated. What's next for your campaign to go out and win those voters? So I think for us, it's, it's a matter of continuing what we've been doing. And I think it shows in the polling here, David, there have been eight polls that have been conducted independent of any uh, any of the candidates. So, uh, you know, take the ones that I've paid for, take the ones that Rob has paid for, and take the ones that uh, Zeldin has paid for, and you could throw them out the window. In all eight of those, every single one has had me winning by double, well, not by double digits, almost every one by double digits, but every single one has had me winning, including the most recent Zogby poll, which had us winning by eight points over the congressman. And the reason is because we've been going to massive gathering places in New York, not the typical Republican breakfast and all that. We've been doing some of that. But the fact that the party has, has wanted uh, to push out a primary, we haven't had the typical, uh, the, the typical path that you would have. So that includes going to Watkins Glen for the NASCAR races. It includes going to Empire Farm Days. It includes going to numerous county fairs and the state fair. So, so for us, it's going to be continuing to do that and get involved 
with other voters the way we have. You, you know, David, I started off the campaign by doing a 62-county tour in 31 days, hit all 62 counties. Uh, I, I am announcing now, actually, you're the first person that I'm announcing it to. Uh, we have 71 days before our election day, our primary day. I am doing another 62-county tour over the final 70 days before the primary because I want to make sure that all New Yorkers know that this is a 62-county campaign. This is not just a campaign being run uh, out, of a, out of a campaign office in midtown Manhattan or in Long Island. This is everybody getting involved to save New York. All right, let's uh, address the polling, by the way, for a moment. And, you know, as you've just stated, there are internal polls that candidates do. There are external polls uh, taken by outside organizations. And, 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 look, full disclosure, I think you know this by now, Andrew, and everyone knows yep. this. I'm not a big fan of polling. I'm a big fan <laughs> of statistical tracking over time because right. others out there have done polls. Real clear politics one of those organizations, smaller sample sizes, which is what I don't like, which has in the, in the Republican side, Zeldin ahead of you in a Hill Emerson poll uh, of 225 registered voters. That said, when you do your polling, I know you're doing the ground game. You just talked about your tour, the work you did prior to the petitioning and what you plan to do over the next 60 plus days. But when you're polling, are you using a larger sample size, your internals? How are you doing your polling to back up and what, if based on what you stated, would counter what Hill and Emerson put out, for example? Well, I think we've actually been looking at a lot of the polls that have been conducted outside of the campaign here, David. I, I want to make sure that voters, unlike what they saw with um, the McLaughlin poll, which was paid for by Zeldin, same thing with another poll, which was paid for by Zeldin, where you have leading questions going in. Uh, I want voters to see the polling that no candidate is paying for, like the Siena polls that have come out, which as recently as February had me winning by 20 points. That I'm not paying Siena to do that, as you can imagine, David. Same thing with Zogby. This is not something that I'm paying for at all. This is an independent group that is paying for it with no connection to me whatsoever. Um, but in our internals, yes, we are using larger sample sizes. Um, the truth is, because we've seen so many independent polls, we haven't been doing as much polling over the last couple of months. Um, but we are ramping it up now that we have, are officially on the ballot. And we will be polling every, every two weeks uh, for April and the first half of May. And then we'll be polling weekly uh, for the second half of May through June. Uh, so that way we can make sure that we see the numbers. And as you said, uh, as you said before, David, it's absolutely true. Uh, working in the White House, I got to see the flaws in polling. So we don't trust this uh, in terms of just the basic numbers. But, but I do understand how important it is to make sure that you are polling face to face. And what I mean by that is when you continue to interact with voters, I carefully say not touch voters because that's what Andrew Cuomo did. But when we interact with with voters, you can see the issues that are so important to them uh, and, and the ways in which we connect, which, which the other Republican candidates do not. 
All right, let's move into those issues. And, you know, given many New Yorkers' questions, not only about the former governor, but the current governor, then you have the resignation of the lieutenant governor, Lieutenant Governor Benjamin, on allegations of campaign fraud. The Democrats are clearly being hit on a number of topics right now. Mandates, uh, management, interactions with the big city, with New York City, or lack of it. So let's talk issues in New York. Uh, As I said, I spoke to Lee Zeldin last week and then Rob Astorino. So I had both of them on. And one of the issues that comes up but doesn't come up enough is the other parts of the New York economy. There's a lot of emphasis, and I can certainly agree there's an importance to New York's ability to deliver energy in western New York and southwestern New York. So I want to take energy off the table for this discussion. Not that it doesn't have an effect in other industries and other communities within the state, but in business in New York outside of energy and even putting aside the financial centers of Wall Street or the iBankers in Midtown, what is your policy approach to making New York more business friendly if you're elected government governor? It's a it's a regulatory overhaul, and it's very similar to what President Trump did in the White House, when we look at the fact that he made the campaign promise that for every regulation he'd, he'd sign as a law, he'd cut two. That number was over eight to one when he walked out of office. And I had the honor of working on some of that portfolio with the Office of Management, Management and Budget uh, in the White House. Uh, and it was one of the reasons why in the beginning of 2020, we saw one of the lowest unemployment rates since before man walked on the moon and the lowest unemployment rate in the history for African-American, Asian-American, and Hispanic-American Americans. And that's the same type of overwhelming approach that I would want to take in New York. And the beautiful thing about that is this comes directly out of the executive branch. This is not something that we need to worry about from a legislative standpoint. This will come right from day one out of the executive chambers of the governor's office starting on January 1st, 2023. Okay, so that's step one. One of the other issues is working with county government structures. Uh, They have a great impact locally, and New York is, you know, well divided in this sense because you have counties that are failing and counties that are succeeding. But there needs to be reform down the down the the structure within the state Mm -hmm. of New York. From the governor's office, if you do the regular regulatory reform, how do you take the next steps with the county governments? Well, first and foremost, and this is one of the things that I've seen in traveling around the state over the last 11 months, uh, the county governments are looking forward to, to working with the governor because I think one of the things that Andrew Cuomo did was he really siloed off so many of these local governments in order to put to, to grow his power in Albany over the course of his ten and a half years. That has not changed much with Kathy Hochul. Uh, so just the fact that there is engagement with the governor, we'll have weekly meetings to actually discuss as we as we talked about here what regulations are stifling their local economies all across the state. As we know, and and as you've highlighted very well, David, uh, New York State 
is so diverse from, I mean, you think about, you know, the financial sector of, of New York City, of Manhattan and, and Wall Street versus in Lewis County and, and Hamilton County, one of the great agricultural areas in the country, really, that is being stifled by so much of this regulation, which is really coming out, and I would say, of New York City, so much of the regulation, but really it's also coming out of Washington, D.C., too. So working with those local governments in a state as diverse as New York is so important. It's something that we would do that is very, very different uh, from the 56th and now the 57th governor uh, of New York. My guest, Andrew Giuliani, candidate for governor of New York, his website, nyforgiuliani.com. Uh, looking at other issues in the state, uh, there has been out-migration significantly, not just in New York City as a result of COVID and other changes in the economy, but even prior to COVID, New York had a problem with out-migration. Along with that, there are, and the numbers uncounted in uh, recent estimates, but tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that leave the state, especially when you get retiring police officers, firefighters, others whose pensions are still held within the state. Obviously, the money leaves the state, stays out of the state. So in many ways, New York is bleeding money and the benefits go to states like Florida, the biggest recipient uh, of not only the people, but the money that goes with it. What would you do as a governor in New York to stem the flow, to triage the problem? And are there specific areas of the economy that require more attention? Yeah, well, I think in terms of what you talked about right there, we have to explore allowing civil servants that are retirees above the age of 65 uh, actually being able to receive their pension either tax-free or getting a tax benefit for that. You know, if you think about specifically from property taxes, New York State and and so many of the counties in New York State are some of the highest property tax counties uh, in the country. By the time you're 65 years old, most people are not now paying for the benefit of those property taxes, which is the school system. We can go deeper into that and, 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 and the unions, but specifically for the, for the talks of this conversation alone, uh, I think it is so important that we look at, well, look, if they are moving because they're looking at property taxes, they're looking at income taxes and what it's doing from a New York perspective, and they're going to Florida because there are none, We need to figure out, well, what are they actually getting from a benefit standpoint? And what can we do to make sure that we ease that burden and keep, as you said, keep that money in New York? My guest, Andrew Giuliani, candidate for governor in New York. Uh, Of course, interstate issues uh, when it comes to business is a big part of this. Now I'll go back to energy in part, Andrew. Uh, When you look at what energy does as an industry, the development, whether it's fracking or any other form of extraction, and especially in western and southwestern New York, you know, you border on Pennsylvania, but the gas doesn't care about the state line. So how do you work with Pennsylvania? How do you work effectively with other elements of energy and other trans-state businesses to bring that business and bring that back to New York? Yeah, I think think in some ways, you know, and this is one of the main concerns that I have, and I think this is where a very good 
corporations council is going to make the difference from a from a successful governor from an energy standpoint you know we focused a lot on the 2021 ballot and three of the proposals that thankfully did not pass because it would have made it far easier to cheat in elections that was propositions one three and four specifically all dealing with voter integrity but thankfully those did not pass it would have made it far easier to cheat but the second proposition which did pass simply stated that New Yorkers have a right to fresh and clean air. Now, that sounds very nice at first, but what that means is that means any governor, any legislature in the future that is going to want to allow fracking to be able to push that through is going to get tied up in lawsuits. So we're going to have to look at ways to make sure that we specifically look at that proposition that has recently passed because it's going to make it very difficult to make the next steps. I think it's always very important to be honest with voters and not just openly say, on day one, I'm going to be able to do this. What I can promise to voters is, on day one, I will start working on it. But it is going to be a tough uphill battle to make sure we get this done. But it's also understanding the challenge that is ahead of us. So that way I can inform voters as well as possible. Because if we are going to reinvigorate, let's say, uh, a community like Endicott, New York, or right outside of Binghamton, New York, we're going to have to make sure we understand the challenges and that we pursue them head on. Because you go right across the border in Pennsylvania right there, and you have property values that are two and a half, three times what they are in Endicott. Andrew Giuliani, gubernatorial candidate in the state of New York, uh, 60, oh, what, 62 days Till the primary, Andrew, I think you said that earlier, <laughs> or is, I, don't know, I don't know what the number of days is. It's June 8th. We'll just call it that. So we'll be talking all three candidates again at the top of the ticket for the Republican side. You, Lee Zeldin and Rob Astorino. Uh, but this is an important state. All states are important. But the New York economy the, and what happens in New York is important because it could become the east coast of California if the Democrats have their way. You are absolutely right, and it is so important. And look, I think there's something that I need to lay out for voters here that that is very, very important to see the difference between uh, myself and uh, Congressman Zeldin. Congressman Zeldin has been trying to knock Republicans off the ballot, and he's been using what he calls election integrity, right, a buzzword. Unfortunately, the person that is running is election integrity for him is a gentleman by the name of John Haggerty. Now, John Haggerty has been a convicted felon before in regards to this. I think it shows a very Cuomo-esque style that the congressman is taking in all this. And frankly, I think it disqualifies him to be governor. And I'm going to make sure that over the next 71 days, New Yorkers understand that he's trying to use the words voter integrity as a buzzword while having a convicted felon directly behind it. That is a leveling charge, as they say in the business, and uh, we'll be putting that question down. Uh, Guys, please do so for our next interview with Congressman Zeldin. Andrew, thank you for joining me this morning. David, as always, it's a pleasure. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.